Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Welcome to Knife Talk, the podcast for knife makers and anybody with any sort of interest in knives. Hosted by myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, and Mareko Momassi of Momassi Fire Arts. How are we, guys? Doing good. Hey. Doing good, doing you? good. How's everybody? It's good. It's good. I've, I've had a, I mean, I had a breakthrough this week myself, but I'm curious what you guys have been up to. What have you been up to, Craig? Busy. I've been. I've had a good week. So um, I mentioned last week how orders haven't been really forthcoming since Christmas, and I've had two of my biggest orders that I've ever had just just this week. Oh, nice. Um, so I've been very very happy. Um, yeah, and just cranking out, you know, just the standard orders that I normally get through. Um, I worked on a like a proposal document, which I could almost like cold send out to restaurants and chefs, that kind of thing. And sure. I put a lot of sort of back-end work into that to make sure that it was right and that I could swap things in and out to make sure they're personalized each time. And they seem to be working. As I said, I've got two big orders this week from this proposal document, so, so I'm very, very happy with that. I love it. Can I say that you, you sent it to me, and I was really impressed at how, how great it was. It was super easy to read, lots of pictures. I loved I loved how you said it made it customizable. It looked like a every one looked like a big production to the point where I sent it to my business partner. Just like you got to see what what Craig's doing, and and Tony was very much along the lines of that's really okay. really really smart. So it was a it was the perfect way to get your foot in the door, and obviously it worked. Yeah, yeah, and it's so easy to change. So basically, it's a, it's a keynote presentation, but once I finished it, I just export it as a PDF because obviously you can just send a PDF to anybody. Yeah. Um, right. But the way it's set up in Keynote is if I want to change the logo maybe for the restaurant that I'm sending to, I change it once and it'll change on every single page. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. I just put the restaurant's name in once and it'll change every instance of where I mention it. It's, it's, yeah, it just works really well. So a fair bit of sort of back-end work to get it going. But now that's done, I can just bang these out and it's, yeah, seems to work it's well. Super, it's super <laughs> high level. I mean it really looks like – it doesn't look – because when you send like a letter to someone, I ain't reading it. But it was like a yeah. very much along the lines of a really, really well put together document. It was really, really great. Lots of pictures, lots of. It was very. I was very, very good. Very cool. good. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what about well, yourself, you Jeff? What have you been up to? It's been the most bananas of all weeks. It was, it was just <laughs> totally bananas. I uh, I had 
I fixed the knife that I had problems with uh, last week. I actually re ended up redoing the handle four times uh, for various reasons, and I got it right the last time, which I was really, really happy about. The last, the last reason why I swapped it out was because I the um, I drilled the Corby holes too big, and the the red epoxy bled through the sides of the Corby bolts, so you saw a red oh. ring around the Corby bolts on the very, very <coughs> blonde maple, and I was like, I cut that thing off again. I fixed that. No problem, but now I'm I'm getting ready for the most the craziest thing I've ever done, which is uh, something I kind of been hinting to uh, in the past weeks. I, a few uh, about almost four weeks ago, I was approached by the this uh, friend of mine who makes movies, and he was having a party, and he doesn't live too far from me, and he he said I'm having this birthday party, and I would love it if you were to forge set up your forge and forge out on the ice of our frozen lake. The party's going to be on this frozen lake. And the first thing I said was yes, because it's just like, yeah, this is going to be, you know, I, we can't say no. You know, it's just crazy not to. So originally, you know, all these guys, they all think that they think that we're just churning, you know, we want you to make axes and swords and no, 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 no. So I, I immediately, you know, we had to really move fast because, you know, so I, I immediately called the guys at Modern Forge. And I was like, hey, you guys want to come with me? And, and we were all fired up, and then I put the proposal in, and, and I said to them, I said, well, you know what we should do is we should make bottle openers. So I said, I hustled up and contacted Cliff, and Cliff started getting the bottle openers ready, and we all started getting ready. And, and unfortunately, just because of they had to scale the party down and because they wanted it to be more intimate and they didn't want to, you know, pile of blacksmiths there, they basically said, we just want you there, which was disappointing because I wanted, you know, Cliff was ready to go and Jesse and and um, and, mm. and John, and it was a disappointment, but at the same time, they understood and they were super cool about it, and um, it wasn't really it was right like out of my hands. And that's when we went over to John's. We knocked out those bottle openers. They looked super <laughs> awesome. And then, um, and then I actually had to wire brush them all because they there was going to be a stamp, and then there was a problem with the stamp, and they couldn't make the stamp. And I had to wait, 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 wait. And then I finally got to wire brush them out, and I had the I had the trifecta, the the uh, the uh, the trifecta of knife talk uh, uh, memes, I guess you would say. I had right angle grinder community because I was wire brushing everything. <laughs> I got I got right into. Uh, I hope I never do that again, but I probably will. And you know what you should do. So basically, I was wire brushing all the all the all the the. Um, Bottle openers, and I and I actually posted a video of me using. I, you know, Mareko, you were right. I I was safety first. I unplugged the grinder to change out the cup. I bought a brand new uh, cup for the brush. I I was like, you know what? He's right. From now on, that's it. No no questions asked. I'm unplugging the grinder. So I put in the new cup. I started grind uh, wire brushing, and it was I had a I had a wire brush 110 or so like that. It was a pain in the ass. And then all of a sudden I stopped and I looked down and I looked at my hand. And on the top of my hand, there was uh, one of the wires that shot into my hand, in the top of my hand, from the side. So I think, okay, big deal. So I start pulling it out and I start pulling it out and there's more coming and more coming and more coming. It went in, into the side of the top of my hand for about a half an inch. Oh. And I was like, oh God, that's so gross. And then as soon as I pulled it out, <laughs> This little bit of blood, this little bit of blood came out. I'm like, okay, all right, no big, big deal. And then the top of my hand started to inflate like a water balloon. Oh, yeah, yeah. The little wire pierced one of my veins. Oof. 
and it started leaking into the skin of the top of my hand, and it started filling up. This bump started growing on the top of my hand. So I was just like, oh, my God. oh I've never done anything like this before. What the fuck? And, and so I, I immediately get some paper towels and I start pushing it down. And I had this kid who's helping me and he's asking me these questions. And he was being all – he didn't know what was going on. And, and I was like looking at him like, I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I didn't want to make a panic. But it was like filling up this bump on the top of my hand. The blood was coming out of the vein and filling up under my skin. It was like a bump, like a real big bump. And it was moving quickly. So I did something that I don't normally do. My wife is a nurse practitioner, and I never call her during the day because she's always busy. So, and the reason why is, is if I call her, she'll pick up because she knows I don't fuck around. So I called her, and she picked up the phone, and she said, what happened? Right off the bat, because she knows I don't call her during the day. And I explained it to her, and she said, well, did you, do you think you hit a vein? Or, or if it's an artery, it should be it should be pumping out at the rate of your heartbeat. I said, no, but it's just, you know, it's just filling up my hand and it's super weird. And, and she said, she said, well, you probably just tore a little bit of your vein. I should just apply pressure and keep it over your heart. I think you're going to be okay. Just, you know, relax a little bit. And that's what happened. It is kind of subsided. I taped the fuck out of my hand, but it was the scariest thing because, you know, in the beginning when you use those uh, wire cups, you know, you lose a few. You lose a few here and there. They're braided. I don't. I don't fool around with anything other than the braided ones. Yeah. And then as they wear down, the loose ones start to fly. Well, it went to the top of my hand, and I got like a. I got a good lump right here. I got a good lump, but it was watching it just fill up was like terror. So now I feel better. <laughs> I got it all squared away. I taped it up. She she actually when I came home she wanted to look at it. She goes, "Hey, you did a pretty good job." Uh, you know, we all know we're in the, in the shop when you're doing a shop first aid. Shop first aid guys are the best. We, you know, oh, electric tape all day. Uh and um I installed my uh my setup yesterday at the place and it was I was nervous and it was amazing and I'm really excited and after this podcast I'm going to go back to bed cuz I got to be up all night tonight forging bottle openers and knives. Right. Nice. There you have it. And oh, here's the trifecta part. Damascus Dave sent me a text in the middle of the night. He woke me up saying, "Hey man, you know what you should do? You should have put these bottle openers in in vinegar before you wire brushed them." Ugh, leave me alone and go to bed. So it was all three <laughs> three knife talk memes that dro- drove me crazy. I said, "You know what you should do? You shouldn't you shouldn't text me in the middle of the night. I need to get my sleep." You moron. I love Damascus Dave. I give Dave Damascus Dave. I kiss you on the face. Slap you later. <laughs> Miracle, what's your week been like? Uh, my week, my week. I've been struggling, like like I expressed last week, I've been struggling with getting a good coffee finish on uh, this Briar Patch mosaic that I've been working on. And it's a, it's a very special order. It's going to be eventually head down to uh, Singapore. Uh, but uh, wow. yeah, the coffee has been giving me a lot of hassle, but I figured out what my problem was. Uh, I was making it... I, yeah, Let's see. It, it had been a while. I think before that, I had done a stainless steel knife. And before that, I had done a knife with a hormone. So it had actually been a while since I had finished out a Damascus knife. And uh, and since I had done that coffee treatment. And I, I kind of got my order of operations out of whack. And I got them written up now. So there's no, there's no messing around. And I'm not getting things out of line. But what I was doing is after my ferric etch, what I should have been doing... First, I'll start with what you should do. You don't do anything crazy. You just I just 
take a worn out 2,500 grit piece of sandpaper, 2,000, 2,500 grit, both will work, whatever. Uh, but you don't go like crazy aggressive, but you wet sand it to break down the oxides and even evenly kind of sand, hand sand everything back out, very gently wet sand. And then, and what you're doing simultaneously is polishing the 15 and 20, uh, which is the nickel element of the steel or nickel steel element of the Damascus, polishing that up so that when you go into the coffee, that's really nice and bright because ideally when you're done with the coffee, uh, you don't touch anything. You basically just wipe it dry and you're done. Uh, no hand sanding, no fussing around with it afterwards. I uh, thought I had a really smart idea and I was like oh you know what I'll do I'll get a really nice high polish on this and I kept using hand sanding sticks uh, to clean it up and, and polish it out and stroke it out before putting it into the coffee after the ferric and the problem was is that was that was not the right move that's not the right move it didn't work I, I literally went through almost a dozen if not a dozen rounds of this coffee etch and it was it's not quick like it's a slow process and i was doing like three four hour five hour soaks i did a couple overnighters too and it just was not coming out and i was like Shh, what the fuck am i doing wrong so it basically i hand sanded the blade back down a bit uh not all the way back down to lose the pattern completely uh but then went into the uh ferric and basically did uh, a half etch because i had um removed some of the pattern so i was etching that pattern back in there and then i just did my uh standard 2500 grit sandpaper uh wash wet sand across the blade put it in the coffee left it overnight fucking thing came out perfect and so, so i needed some to key to then i assume yeah, it it needs a little bit. So when it's yeah, when you when you hand sand it, um, it needs or it, it takes the finish on the blade too high, especially if you're at, you know eight hundred above or above. Um, you know I've gone straight from the machine at like one twenty, two twenty, and put it in the coffee, and it's great. But that's also a very coarse finish. You don't necessarily want that on a finished blade. But just to take a look at the pattern, and the pattern looks super sweet, but it has that texture to kind of bond to. And so what was happening is after my ferric etch, I was hand sanding, and it was taking it to too high of a finish, and the coffee just didn't have anything to hold on to, and. Mm. So also coming out of the ferric, the ferric creates a kind of textural, like, you know, on a microscopic level, a textural landscape across the, especially the lower portions, the dark portions of the steel. And that also gives the, uh, the coffee something nice to hold on to, to bite onto. Um, so yeah, I don't think you're being smart. Like I thought I was being, <laughs> um, just huh. keep it simple and go straight to the coffee or sorry, ferric. Gently hand sand uh, at 2,000, 2,500 grit, and then into the coffee. Let it soak, uh, you know, like whatever, a couple hours to overnight, depending on what you're looking for, and you should be good. So Yeah, you, ma- you this- mentioned ferric then and the, the landscape that it will develop if you put it in too long. I yeah. put the video live this week of my sort of corrosion test. Sure. And even the stainless, when it was left in ferric for... 24 hours mm-hmm. it had these crazy almost crystals appearing right. on the on the surface of yeah. of the metals and, and that was across the it's board a, with all the metals is that the carbides uh, i don't know what it was I, i'm gonna guess that it was probably some of the carbides for sure um if not 
It, was that straight from the mill? Like it hadn't been heat treated or anything? No, he treated him. All he treated, all he treated, ground to about six hundred mm. on a Scotch Bright belt, and each of them. So you know, I put them in water, I put them in tomato puree, put them in onion puree, and then also in ferric. And in right. ferric, all of the, all of the steels, including the stainless, after twenty four hours, they all had these crystals like developing on this on the steel. It was crazy. Sure. The only thing I could imagine that that might be is residual decarb but it sounds like if you took it up to a 600 grit uh you might have gotten below that decarb layer but if you're etching and you're seeing the decarb layer it's going to look like large crystals uh mm. i've ha- i've had an issue with uh finishing on a damascus knife and i didn't grind below the decarb layer because i forged really 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 close to finished dimension and and I didn't know what the hell I was looking at. I was like, what the fuck happened? Did I screw this up heat treating? And it finally clicked and dawned on me after I'd already started a whole nother knife um, to replace that one, that it was decarb. Um, and I did a little bit more grinding on that blade and I got below that and it was gone. It was completely gone. Ah, and so, cool. but yeah, it's weird. It looks like granule sugar almost. Mm, at yes, least in my yeah. Experience. So, uh, but also just to step it back a couple weeks, I, we forgot to mention last week that the hot sauce hammer off happened and the video is up. Oh yeah. We'll have to put a link up to that because that was, it was actually, it was surprisingly fun. And I think I talked about it. Uh, Oh wait, we didn't talk about it at all. Um, no, we didn't talk about it. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the hot sauces were very hot, but I would actually, I would happily do it again. Um, you would never know that the hot sauce were hot because the two of you were like the two of you. I think that you handled the hot sauce a lot better than Jamie did. Jamie looked like he was having problems, but all of a sudden I thought, well, maybe maybe the hot sauce isn't that hot because you guys were like toughing it out. They were pretty hot, but I, I, don't, I really like hot stuff myself, mm-hmm. and Jamie does too. So that's the that's the other thing. Like when you watch the YouTube channel, uh, Hot Ones, the show. A lot of people, like, some of them really like hot stuff. The other ones are going on there, and they kind of like hot stuff. And those are the ones whose faces just straight melt off. So, (laughs) um, but I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, and then after that, I another thing in the past uh, week and a half that I I neglected to mention last week was um, I I got to go down to a, a book signing. Andrew Zimmern is a customer of mine. And uh, I think he's just such a great guy. And if you listen to his podcast, go fork, go fork yourself. So I almost said go fuck yourself. Uh, his podcast is go fork yourself. Um, he's a. <laughs> it's a really great podcast, and 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 he's just he has such a crazy, interesting story. And I think what's really awesome about what he does is, it, he's using the the guise of eating bizarre foods and weird foods. As, as a Trojan horse in a way to actually like his mission really is to uh, teach people that we're not as different as we seem to be on the surface. And he's more of a cultural anthropologist in a way. And so that's what this new book is that he just wrote. It was a children's book about history and travel and stuff like that. But uh, I also got to catch up with him with some coffee afterwards and um, just kind of shoot the shit and talk about knives and He's just a really great guy. So that was also another highlight of the last week uh, or so. So anyways, I'll stop talking. No, Mareko isn't sponsored by coffee, by the way. Just general <laughs> coffee. Gen- general coffee. <laughs> general, Juan yeah. Valdez. Yeah. Mareko Juan Valdez. <laughs> I, I heard Nescafe. I was trying got, to say that. 
Nescafe got rid of George Clooney. They, the contract's over, and they're bringing Morocco in. Right? Um, yeah, let's do it. Me. Let's do it. Excuse me. I am I am sponsored by Nespresso, so please have some respect. <laughs> that is true. All right, let's just talk about while we're here. Let's talk about one of our sponsors, AMK Concepts. That's AMKTactical.com. These guys make awesome grinders, and for our listeners, they're giving us a ten percent discount. Using the code AMK10. Now, listen, when you put in AMK10, it has to be in all caps, otherwise it doesn't register. I, I, a buddy of mine did it. He said, it doesn't work. And he, I, he did it in all caps. AMK10 gives you 10% off. They have an awesome, they have awesome uh, grinders. And for just as an example, their AMK77 is just thirteen ninety nine. 99 and it comes with a 12 inch serrated wheel and a platen. They also, they're the promo code works for if you're just buying co- small contact wheels or whatever they're, you know, the you don't have to just buy a grinder, whatever you need. Um, AMK concepts that's amktactical.com. Promo code all caps AMK10. Nice, <laughs> nice. Now we've got that out of the way, on to the next. Bit of business. We're going to do this segment that we normally call. This is the most annoying of segments right now, and as far as I'm concerned, it's called "You Know What You Should Do." And basically, we all have people who have these wonderful ideas, and they what they are. They, it's but it's unsolicited advice, and it's unsolicited advice given to you as a maker, or whatever. And you don't you don't care. They're just trying to get their whatever. So we're gonna we asked you, our listeners, to give us your best. Uh, you know what you should do from somebody else, and we're going to read them off. So right off the bat, we're going to do my buddy from Germany, Forgeworks, at Forgeworks, says, somebody said to him, you know what you should do? You should sell more knives. That's generally the idea. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Really? I, I, un, I believe that from now on, if somebody says, you know what you should do, you should stop them immediately, and you say, as long as I can tell you, you know what you should do. Immediately afterwards, mm. that might stop everything. That might stop everything. You give me unsolicited advice. I'm going to give you unsolicited advice, and you say you're fat or you're stupid or you're a moron. Or <laughs> you say something very insulting. You, you say, well, "Hey, listen, yeah, yeah, you should eat less. <laughs> you should oh go God. for a couple. Hey, maybe a couple jumping jacks wouldn't wouldn't hurt. You know what you should do? Exercise. There you go. All right, that's, it. that's the silver bullet. The cure. That's it. Yeah, give it to him back. I love it. All right. This next one is from, and I'm sorry if I completely butcher this. You're but, never going to get it. You're never going to get it right. No, no, no one's going to get it right. Uh, this is from at Rano Paju. Uh, you're better than me. <laughs> he says, you know what you should do? Make my Damascus out of 1095 and 15 and 20. So this guy, after seeing my knives and asked for the price, uh, announces that I should use old chainsaw chains for my Damascus to keep the cost down. No, these these people think that they, they, <laughs> these people think that it's always the cost of the materials that makes it expensive. It's never the cost of the materials. It's always the labor. It's like, why would you? Oh, you should. That's just, it's the people are so stupid. They don't realize that it's the hand sanding. It's the forging. It's the it, that's, it's not the raw materials. It's expensive. Hmm. Yeah, it's the time. It's the time. It's the labor. Well, it's the skilled labor. I, you don't. You don't hear them haggling with the auto repair guy or your electrician. Both of those people, they get good money by the hour. And, you know, 
you want a job done yeah. and want it done right, you go to the professionals. And that's basically what you're paying for is to have something professionally handmade for you. That's the funny thing is we're talking about auto guys. If you bring your car in to get a, th- a thing, they say, oh, you need a muffler. And they say, how much is it going to be? Oh, the muffler's, you know, whatever, a couple hundred bucks. So, like, oh, that's not so bad. But then all of a sudden the labor is $60 an hour. Now, if we did that with our knives and someone says, how much is your knife? And you, we just started giving them the bla- the material costs and then subsequently put the labor costs in. How much is your knives? Ah, 25 bucks. Really? But yeah, plus plus another 500 bucks, 600 bucks for labor. The You're going to pay for both. We should do that. We should start doing that. We should charge parts and labor. <laughs> the parts, uh, how much? Say $30? All right, I'll take 10. All right, you got it. Yeah. That's going to be $10,000, please. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Parts and labor. Now, at, at no expense uh, – Expense cost? That's not the phrase, is it? At no, what's what's the phrase? When you say, oh, there's a lot this, of phrases out there, Craig. This there's is a lot gonna, of phrases. This is man. obviously going to be cut out. No expense. <laughs> Why? You no can't cut it out. Spare. This is the best part. <laughs> you can't always take that out. That was good. That was flip flopping. Now, at no expense spared, we've got a live satellite link up to the Don, Ooh. the man himself, the Don. So, the Don. some of the worst advice that I've gotten when I first started making knives. People would tell me all the time, oh, stick with tradition. Kitchen knives have been made for centuries. They figured that shit out. Stay with tradition. Stay with old school. Don't do anything new. Don't do anything crazy. It just won't work. And if you're starting out, you you can follow that. You can figure out what the rules are. But if you stay with that for a long time, it's easy to get stuck and it's easy to get forgotten. That's good advice. Don. Don Gwynn. Don Don. That's some good advice. I tell you what, that's why you see guys like Nick Anger and all these guys who set themselves apart. They're they're not following the rules completely to what this this idea, the standard of what people are supposed to be doing, and they're setting themselves apart and they're making making themselves. Uh, you know, Don's a perfect example too. You know, you see his knives and you know you. you there's no question you're looking at a Don Gwynn knife. Right. Yeah. So. No. I th- I think that's great advice, and it was a little bit of a uh, of uh, that could have gone in notes to a new knife maker as well. Um, but I think I think he makes a good point that s- starting by, I guess, kind of studying and especially if you don't have experience with chef's knives, either making them or using them, getting a hold of some and using them and trying them out before really uh, and and helping those educate the way or, or inform the way you make your knives is a good thing. But then. Then once you've got that down or feel like you've established a good geometry and have your head wrapped around it pretty well, then you start branching out. I think that is a good move. And Don That is a good move. That Don has done a phenomenal Sorry. job setting himself apart. I absolutely adore his work and he's he's on my Mount Rushmore for sure. With for that said, sure. it's not just it's not just, you know, you do need technical proficiency and fundamentals down before you just start slapping shit together. Oh, you know, for sure. that, I think that's the, one of the things that, especially in, in well, going back to the art world, a lot of p- art people think that you don't need this technical discipline to, you know, express yourself. And once you have the, you know, you're technically proficient in what you're doing, then you can start to break the rules, you know, the, the, or that whatever this kind of culture, this, community's rules are yeah. that's it's all it's the background of discipline and, and technique before, before you fool around absolutely mm-hmm. agree you gotta know the rules before you can break them definitely. oh my definitely. god oh if that's another t-shirt i'm out i'm gonna come quit this podcast <laughs> can't take another meme go ahead we got another from forest knives you know what you should do 
You should just buy some steel from the local hardware store because it's way cheaper and no one really cares about the steel. Oh, my yeah. God. That sounds that like a person that knows oh. exactly what they're talking about. Oh, my God. <laughs> when, I used to, when, I, when I used to, when I was doing a lot of fabrication, I'd buy steel. You, know, you can buy a 20-foot length of, st- of like, let's just say a uh, quarter-inch bar for, like, you know, it's 20 feet of it. It's like, you know, it's like nothing. But you go to the, you go to the hardware store, and it's more expensive to buy four feet of it at the hardware <laughs> store. Yeah, these, yeah. People are, these people, they think that they're, they're totally, they have no idea. Yeah. Buy it at the hardware store. Once what? again, people think it's the parts. Yep. So I was just going to say that. All right. People, not parts. That's a t-shirt for you. It's about <laughs> people, not the parts. Don't, no more t-shirts for a while. Let's <laughs> hang it up on the awful t-shirts for a while, okay? But it means go yeah, to the Night Talk podcast and buy some damn t-shirts. <laughs> All right. I'm just kidding. All right. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All right. This one comes from Jonathan Pinkston Blacksmith. You know what you should do? You should take this old piece of farm equipment my granddaddy had and fat and forge me a battle axe for free. Then I'll show it to the people and they'll buy all your stuff. <laughs> I get this a lot. There's a lot of smart little, you know, smart asses <laughs> who think, oh, I'll get you to I'll get you to make something for me and then I'll just I want it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend like I'm gonna sell them for you. Hmm. So stupid. Yeah. Well, the next one is almost is pretty much on the same lines. Yeah. It's from Hall yeah. Blades. He says uh, hey, you know what you should do? You should give this chef I know. I'm sorry. You should give this chef I know a knife so that he can endorse it. That's uh, that, that'd be great for business. Uh, the problem is is that it's a numbers thing, and realistically, like people think that, like Jeff was just saying, they think, oh, you give me this free thing, and then I'll talk about it. Word of mouth is uh, probably one of the strongest ways for people to be referred to you, but. The problem is that these chefs or the, you know, these, whoever the hell they are, they, the, the numbers wise, like two, one thousandth of a percent of whoever they know are going to turn around and say, Ooh, I want to get one of your knives. Like Joe Rogan, for perfect example, Joe Rogan and Jeff has been on the Epicurious, but Joe Rogan, he's got 3 million people following him. He puts me on blast all the time, which is amazing. And I get like ten new orders. Like right. just well, the numbers you know, don't work. Yeah. And so, yeah. but well, and it's just but it, the it, number. But you, but the numbers are. I mean, it's we're not we're not talking about selling glasses of lemonade. We're talking about you know a luxury item. So mm-hmm. it's it's you do you have to end up weeding out a degree of you know if we if you were selling your knives for a hundred dollars, you get more than ten orders. Right, right, right. But I guess that's what I'm starting trying to get at is though is that. Somebody thinks, oh, because I've had, especially when I first started out, I had people reaching out to me all the time. Oh, I'm a chef in an open kitchen. People yeah. are always asking me, what's that knife you're using? Great. Yeah. Okay. So I give you a knife that's going to cost me like half of a, a month's salary. And then maybe no custom orders are going to come from it. Actually, the reality yeah. is probably no custom orders are going to come of that. So now you're out that the person has a great knife and you're left high and dry. It's just not a good yeah, place to be. Yeah, most of these guys are... Most of these guys, most of these cooks too. Let's just be honest. Some of them suck at social media, and I, I, I they're, they're not. The, I always say you got to sell my shit first. You know, like I ain't giving you nothing. You you move twelve knives, I'll give you a knife. That's sure. usually what I'll I'll say. Like, that's you know, it's like hey, hey, you want what I got? I'm not gonna be. Don't put yourself in that position of being desperate. You know, because it's like a lot of these guys, and there are a lot of chefs with like you know thirteen thousand, fifteen thousand followers, and they do they go from one 
knife maker to another. Yeah. And they and they talk about, oh, you give me this. So I told them all my followers. It's like it's like this bullshit. Uh, you know, it's a, it's almost like a con. It's a scam. And, and a oh, lot sure. of these guys, they're they're not good at it. And if they really want your knife, the a the good guys pay, and then the b they got to move knives first. You know, they got to move a lot of knives first. And you, and it's like, you know, you got to be in control. These these people are crazy. You know what you should do? Because I hate you know what you should do, man. I'll tell you what. I hate you know what you should do. <laughs> you know, we got another live link up for another one. And this is a good one. This is a very good one. So, a regular, you know what I should do that I always get is, hey, man, you know what you should do? You should do video game swords. Like, big, gigantic, all Fill it up, swords. Yeah, that's what you should do. There's, a future, right. there's a future jingle in there. Definitely. I love that guy. I don't know, remember that guy's name is? He's my favorite. And yeah. you know what? There are a lot of guys who make this fantasy noise. Don't be mad, Nate Zimmerman, that he said that. Don't, he's mad already because he likes to make the, what are the and, and pariah knives. You guys like to make those Legolas knives or leg holes or whatever that goddamn rings of fire. What is that? Uh, what is that movie? The, the trilogy? What is the movie? Lord of the Rings? Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Lord oh, my Rings. God. Yeah, they like all that. <laughs> it's some, come on. It's some bullshit with the elves and the nonsense. I'm with this guy. I'm with my man. FT Nuts. It's enough already. It's enough. I'm with you. I'm with him. Come on, man. Come on. What do you do with that shit? I'm with you. We got leg another holes. one here, right? Leg from holes. Yeah, Nick, fuck leg holes. Nick Layton. <laughs> I have a couple of friends who always have, they've always got the same genius idea. And, you know, I had this said to me just last night. You know what you should do? You should go on that show. What's it called? Forged in Fire. I said, mm, yeah, thanks. I'll wait till they contact me. And I had that said to me last night. EC Knivery had it said to them. Loon Knife Works said to them. Garage Knife Shop said to them. And ML Blacksmith all come in with that very oh, same. You know what you should every, do? I mean, everybody says that. I've had everybody people say that to me. After I've already been on the show, the best part is they preface it. They preface it with, "Oh my god, I love Fortune of Fire. It's such a great show. You should get on there." I've seen every every episode. I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay." Yeah. Well, here's you, you know what we talk about it a lot. One thing I will say is, back in the day when I was uh, just welding, there was nothing on TV just to kind of I, I there was nothing on TV where you see welders. And then all of a sudden, Jesse James Monster Garage was on, and then I could see people MIG welding. And that's what I was doing at the time. So I love the fact that all of a sudden I see a guy who's doing what I'm doing or whatever, the other sure. shows. Hmm. So I, this is the only real show where you get to see guys do this. And I think that it's ultimately it's that for that reason in itself. It is awesome. There's no other – I mean there's not a lot of other TV – I mean there's not a lot of other venues. It's not like, you know – bladesmithing is is on every show i mean it's yeah. like so so they don't have a really there's not a whole there's not a whole lot of uh there's only one well to go for water you know yeah. mm. at the end of the day it's entertainment isn't it it's not an educational show in any way it's a game show it's it's there mm, purely it's for entertainment I don't, yeah. think, I don't think it's a game show yeah all right this one comes from black scale forge you know what you should do you should make a knife from these pieces of rebar I got in my backyard. I'll just give it to you. No charge. Oh, man. I had a guy <laughs> message me. I had a guy message me, an older guy, and he says, listen, I have all this steel that I want you to take from me. I don't want it, and I want you to make knives with it. And I immediately knew that, obviously, the guy has it in his house. It's not knife steel. 
And I said, well, I, you know, I appreciate it. I usually can't. I really don't really do that. I, you know, I buy, you know, I, well, I don't know. This is good steel. You can use it. It was like angle iron. And I was oh my like, God. my man, this is like mild steel angle iron. I'm like, just because it's got metal in it doesn't mean I can make a fucking knife with it. Leave me alone. And I also had that from uh, this construction company that wanted me to make knives for their entire staff. They go, oh, I got this rebar. And we want you to make these rebar knives. And, I, and I'm like, yo, but I'd explain to them, like, it don't work. It don't work like that. Oh, you should make some oh, rebar butter knives. Well, yeah, what I want, what I ended up thinking about doing is, is, uh, uh, and I have a connection. I used to do, I have a lot of old steel from the Williamsburg Bridge. And mm-hmm. I, w- I was going to, I was going to use those to make like uh, little uh, bolsters or ferrules or something like that or spacers. Sure. But you can't really fool. Yeah, you know, I hate it when people do that. They think they know everything. You know what? You need to coordinate with Peter, Peter Swarsbert. And he can melt it down and add elements to it to make it into an actual usable steel. For knives. Yeah. So, all right, Rebar Man, go to him. Go to Pete. Go to Pete. Go to Peter. All That's right, Rebar Man, do. go to Peter. That's what you should do. You know what you should do? We should go to the next segment. That's what we should do. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> you got to get the. La- I think you need to hit the last one. From our boy Bull Blades. Bull Blades. All right, this one's from Bull Blades. He says, "You know what you should do? You should make a YouTube channel." Is is the one I hear most uh, even now? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, make one was... for Jesus. Make a YouTube channel for Jesus. <laughs> you know what? Well, I did. I did. Just two weeks ago, <laughs> I, I took did his make advice. a channel. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's just a lot of work. Isn't it a lot of work? It's, it's a, a lot, lot of work. work. A lot of work. But I've got a lot of sort of downtime away from the shop. You know, yeah. just just there with babies. So it sort of works for me. But uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. Well, and I think it's misleading. A little. It's not misleading a lot. It's you see people like Alec who are doing incredible work. And there are tons of other guys out there, craftspeople doing really good stuff. But the thing is, it is so intensive that you mm-hmm. you got to kind of, you either are a knife maker that sometimes does content or you're a content creator focused around whatever the knife making is, but you can't be a full-time knife maker and a full content, con- uh, sorry, right. full-time content creator. Uh, it's just way too much. And I oh, think yeah. I, I've had so con- many people say, I need to start a YouTube channel or you should yeah. start a YouTube channel. I'm like, yo, I'm a full-time knife maker. I cannot take the time to do full-time content. That would, that would send everything down the drain. There's just no way I could do it. I- yeah, well, I, I think you got, I, you've got to sort of know your level and find your level because, right. I mean, what I do is never going to be anywhere near what, you know, what Alec does or, you know, what, what some other guys do. Um, but if it's a case of just in front of a camera talking for five minutes, then editing that up in 20 minutes, you know, yeah. I've got time to do that. Um, but, yeah, i certainly not planning to make, you know, these big cinematic films, you know. Sure, sure. I, I I give a lot of respect for guys like Jeremy. Jeremy just gave us a big plug, Simple Little Life hat. Mm. hat a big shout out. Jeremy's been awesome to us. He's, he listens to the podcast. And thank you once again for for letting everybody, all, all your listeners know that we, you know, you uh, Craig and Mareko say naughty words. And, and you know, he made a whole thing that apparently, <laughs> apparently we're not family friendly. Apparently we're not a family friendly podcast because what crazy person in their car would – submit their children and wife and family to listening to a knife podcast that's that's number two and uh but uh you know shout out to all the youtube makers i'm with you yeah and actually you just mentioned jeremy but an extra shout out to jeremy because i, I took a call with him this week and he was just talking me through a few things sort of youtube wise nice. he's just such a, such a great guy so he's a great guy if you're not following him it's simple little life uh both on youtube and instagram 
And nothing yeah. seems simple about his little life, by the way. No. It seems like no. it seems everything seems like from everything seems very complicated. But it's all he's all top of the line. Jeremy Jeremy's the greatest and he's a good dude and you know. Yeah. I'm with you. Well, I I did a video this week, so I actually put two lives. So the first one was the <clears throat> will it rust about the corrosion. And the second one was 30 resources for new knife makers. Mm. It's, it's the same questions that I'm always asked, you know. Where can I buy stuff? You know, who should I be learning from? That kind of stuff. And I mentioned Jeremy in that as well, because when you watch Jeremy's videos, you feel almost welcomed into his studio. He's got this great way about him where I, I just feel at ease watching it, you know? Sure. Um, you, you two guys were mentioned too, along with plenty other makers. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <sighs> well, I'm going to take a. No uh, worries. You forgive no me? No worries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a, a, a you know, give a nod to Craig and his transition last week, but we got one more. Uh, you know what you should do? You should go to Combat Abrasive. Combat Abrasives is one of our new sponsors, uh, and I got to tell you, I love. I like. I, I seriously like. There's no bullshit. The, their belts, especially the. Oh my god, the 36. It cuts. It really cuts more aggressively than any other 36 grit belt I think I've ever used. It's insane. But if you go to the website, you can get 10% off any order with the promo code KNIFETALK10. And, you know, they got belts, they got discs, they got epoxies, uh, they got handle material. Um, so they, you want it, you can get it from them. They got Scotch-Brite belts. I think they even got the leather stropping belts. They got a pretty good array. And they have, they have these – it's actually a pretty smart move. They have things set up for like starter kits. Like if you're just getting into knife making, you don't necessarily know what belts to buy. You don't even really have to think about it. They'll they'll line you up with a starter kit going from the coarsest grits up to the fine grits that you'll need to at least build one knife, if not multiple knives. So again, go check them out. Combat abrasives, uh, knife talk ten, all one word. Uh, we'll get you ten percent off any order, anything you order. Yep. That starter kit's a strong move. It is, but your seg your segue was a little bit stronger. You really you slipped that in <laughs> real part, real nice, man. You slipped that in real nice. Didn't feel a thing. I didn't feel a thing. <laughs> oh, 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 that's not what you want to hear, right? Well, <laughs> let's no, you move did a great on. job. It's a great segue. Craig's community showcase. All right, this is the the time of the show where we give some love. To, uh, to our community, to people we follow, to people uh, who inspire us. And uh, Craig is going to kick us off right now. Yeah, well, mine is Friday underscore Blackworks. Uh, sorry, Bladeworks on Instagram. Um, young 15-year-old called Jake. Um, he makes these hunting and fishing knives, and they are so accomplished. It, it's, it's incredible. So he does even sort of big batches of these things as well. All beautiful, beautiful looking knives. So that's Friday underscore Blade Works on Instagram. Love it, Jeff. Who do you got? I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a shout out to one of my good friends and one, a re, a person that you should really look at in terms of like excellence is C J Dufton on Instagram. That's Cliff Dufton. I've known Cliff for a long time. He could be one of the greatest fabricators I've ever met. He's an incredible mind. His blacksmithing is unbelievable. He makes beautiful hammers and tongs. He makes uh, hydraulic presses alongside John Ariani, mm. Sunset Forge NJ. Those are they beautiful are the machines. Most, they are amazing. And when you look at the welds, he lays down those <laughs> dimes better than anyone I've ever seen. He's a certified welder. 
he's also does his own CAD work. He built a, he, I know he's building a two by 72 grinder for Jesse Savage. He's, he's, he's got an incredible mind and he like, he does his own CAD work. So here's how smart he is. He does all the parts. He does his own, the AutoCAD, but then he also gets them to laser all the center punch marks of where he needs to make a center punch mark or where he needs to line things up. He's always thinking he's super, super innovative. Um, He's incredibly talented. He's, you know, he's the total package. So CJ Dufton on on Instagram, he's my buddy. He bailed me out a couple times. I call him the wizard. He also makes his own flux that we all refer to as uh, Cliff Dufton's Super Bang, which is <laughs> insane. Super Bang is this is high level wizardry. That motherfucker is high level. He's the magician. Cliff Dufton, CJ Dufton on Instagram. Nice. Well, get yourself some whatever. Get you, get yourself some CJ Dufton. Super Bang? Yeah, get you sell that? Super Bang. I don't think I don't He's, think he is selling it, but it's like well, every time we talk about it, we everybody asks you, "Do you bring the Super Bang? Do you bring the <laughs> CJ Dufton, the Cliff Dufton Super Bang?" Nice. Well, this week I want to give some love to my buddy uh, Jeremy Spake. He's a custom knife maker out of Portland, Oregon, and uh, I met him first time. I think about four, four or five years ago. Like literally when I was just starting out. I met him at the first Seattle Knife Show. Uh, and he he's just a super talented guy. He's super, he does really clean work. He comes from a background of building what are called armatures. So they're these little, uh, these little bodies for stop action puppets. And they're insane. They're super small. And they're just as intensive as some of the, the finest well-made like folder knives um and he has ne- he's never gotten i keep giving him a hard time that he should get into folders because of all of his experience with these armatures uh, you know what you should do hey jeremy exactly. you know what you exactly. should do i've done it <laughs> i've done it <laughs> uh and uh but man he he just he does a really incredible work and I, I wish that he was better recognized for the the level of skill that he does uh his work at he he specializes in these pukos so they're scandinavian outdoor knives bush knives and he makes these beautiful leather sheet like wood wood lined on the inside leather sheets around the outside uh that hang from your belt um and they're just they're, they're very traditional and super clean i don't know i keep saying super clean but it's just his you got to go check out his work he's on instagram at j s p a k e uh you know you know j spake road to victory this guy that's this my guy man that's work. my man hashtag j spake road to victory yeah he is Love him. a such he's such a good guy i had breakfast with him at uh the blade show last year we had a lot of laughs He's a dynamite guy. I've always liked Jeremy very much. He's a funny guy. He's a good guy. He makes awesome knives. Jay Spake, Road to Victory. I'm with you. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> hey, man, can I ask you a question? The section where you, the listener, get to ask us questions. Um, I'm not saying we'll be able to answer them. We'll certainly try our best. <laughs> so we've got please, another... Please, please, please. No more fly press questions. <laughs> Please, I got my, I got really t- a good firm talking to you about the fly presses. Don't ask any more fly press questions. No more fly press questions. Okay. Again, <laughs> at no expense spared, we've got another live satellite link. Hey guys, this is Noah from Vashon Knives. I've got a question for you about lighting. Um, I can never seem to get the lighting right at the grinder. I've tried like lighting it from overhead, lighting it from the sides. 
um, using a little gooseneck task light, but I can't ever seem to get it to the you know place where I'm satisfied with it. What is your advice? Well, hey, man, I've got a question for you. How do you get such great audio from your phone? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, lighting. Well, my, my grinder is next to a, a huge window. Um, so in the daylight hours, you know, that, that lights, you know, pretty evenly. It works really well. Um, but I've just got a normal sort of fluorescent um, light hanging above. And that's um, 5,000 to 500K. So it's, you know, it's virtually daylight, you know, temperature wise for the color. Um, and I've never really had any issues. So I've, I've never really given any thought lighting. So I suppose it just works for me. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't really have any advice apart from that. Yeah, I have a fluorescent bulb, uh, a fluorescent uh, fixture ahead of me, a front, atop of me, and then I also have a couple shop lights that I move around uh, very right underneath, <clears> so I can kind of, depending on where I'm standing, I can kind of. Uh, it. That's all you're gonna get from me. So all we have and all I've ever had are like fluorescent lights, like Jeff's talking about. Um, I have worked with um, kind of like work lights that are either magnetic or somehow are very close to the grinder and you can kind of adjust it but those have never really worked well for me so i've just kind of gotten me away they, i've just kind of gotten away from them but recently i was cruising around the dollar tree uh which is a very cheap store that we have here in the united states uh but basically they they make these little book lights that are these tiny little led book lights that are supposed to clip onto the back of your book and then light the page and I was like, oh, I wonder what would happen because I have a, 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 an apron that I should be grinding in more often. But I was like, I wonder what would happen if I clip those to my apron and then ha and they're adjustable and I can just shoot them wherever I need the light to be. Um, these ones that I purchased aren't perfect, but it, I think that they are on the right track. Um, I've seen other book lights that have kind of like the adjustable gooseneck that you can really like set it up wherever you really want it to go. And those might actually be the better option because I have a couple pockets on the front of my apron and so I could slide a couple of those little battery-powered lights in and then just shoot. Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like exactly. I'll take a picture. Uh, it's It looks silly. But it's uh, the part of the problem is that the apron is floppy. So you kind of need essentially like a pocket protector to go over the front of your apron so that it's uh, it's got more of a firm uh, backing to clip to or attach to. But the lights have been great. They've actually made a huge difference in my ability to see what the hell I'm doing. Because especially when I do like my S grind and I'm grinding the hollow portion in, I'm grinding almost completely blind. Like I can't see what's going on. So that's why I grind a little bit and then take a look. And I grind a little bit and take a look. And grind a little bit and take a look. And uh, But with these lights, that can really make a huge difference. It, 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 I knew a f old fabricator 10 years ago. He used to wear one of those camping headlights mm. all all the time. Like it, we, all the time. He'd have it on. All the, He looked like a miner. Yeah. And he would wear it all the time. Light on no matter what he was doing. <laughs> he, says, I might, he says, I might look like a dork, but – it helps. And I'm just like, all right, well, you look like a dork. So. Yeah. I, I've tried that. And it. I I work yeah. with a face shield now, and that just isn't going to play with my face oh, shield. Yeah. yeah. Forget it. Forget yeah. it. So. Forget it. Okay. All right. <laughs> this one, next one comes from Bull Blades again. If you guys could pick one type of handle material to use and never use anything else ever again, 
what would you pick? Wood or synthetic? Wood for me. I just like how everything is slightly different. You're never going to get two the same. And I think if we're making bespoke knives, you want them to look a bit bespoke. You want, you know, even if I do a set, they're not going to look the same. Now, I know, you know, in a sort of kitchen environment, maybe synthetic would be the better way to go. But, you know, obviously stabilize my wood as well. Um, but yeah, I'd always pick wood because I think there's such a beauty in wood in, in you know, its various grains and when you use various dyes as well. Um, definitely wood for me. Yeah, I definitely I would have to say wood as well. Um especially with the you know, the ability to stabilize wood. It helps make it more water resistant, dense resistant, uh uh or denser and more uh, impact resistant. But yeah, the I I really prefer kind of like the warm tactical or tactility of a, a wooden handle versus a synthetic handle. Um and it's again as a bespoke item, you want that kind of kind of that that warmth that draws you to the thing that makes you want to use it a little bit more. Um and you know, I see I'm not there are knife companies out there that do all metal handles that I'm not going to mention, but I just I've used them. They're slippery. They don't feel like I don't know. I don't, I'm not excited to use those knives. So mm-hmm. when I I whenever I see something with like a wooden handle, I'm definitely more excited to use that than synthetic. Well, I'm going to buck the system. I love you synthetic would. candles. And, and I'll tell you why. Because if we all said wood, then, you know, we're all getting the same thing. I do like the control of being able to uh, um, control your, your colors and, you you know, try to use a little bit more color theory. I like that. I like having a little bit more. Um, it's it's it, it For me, I do love using wood. But, if I, but I also love – being able to kind of fool around with colors and see different products and stuff like that. I also think specifically G10 is one of the easiest things to finish. So I do like G10 for that reason too. But um, just because I'm not going to say the same thing you guys said and you bespoke and now I'm going to bespeak, I'm going to go with synthetic. Boom. <laughs> you are bespoken. I'll be speak it up. All right. Our next question is from Ragged Draven Forge. He says, hey, man, can I ask you a question? Have you ever heard – uh, any of this nonsense about nonsense about swordsmiths quenching their swords in the bodies of slaves or any variation thereof. If there is a blade, blade making myth you could dispel, what one would it be? There's that He's... one, isn't it, about quenching facing magnetic north? Oh my god! Which I've heard a lot of people <laughs> talk about. And you just think, really? It's very important. Um, no, well, yeah, I can imagine <laughs> so. Um, no, that's that's the only one I know of, really. You know, well, the one that I always liked from uh, your man Bob Kramer is he used to say that when they would, when the Japanese guys would would uh, normalize and they would do the uh, recalience, looking at the recalience, you know, where you see the phase shift, Re- they would the wait recalescence. for a moon recalescence. What did I say? Recalience. <laughs> Recalcitration. Right, whatever, <laughs> whatever. You know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter. But that phase shift, they would wait for a moonless night or auspicious day or they have fast, all that. I've always liked that because they're looking for a very dark night so they can actually see it. I've always liked that. That's always a, that's the one myth I do like because there is a little bit of you know reasoning behind it. Yes. But all these all these people with these these they, 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 people watch too many Conan movies. They're, it's seriously, it's like it's all everything's uh, Thor and bullshit and, and the lord of the rings and it's enough already just just make pick your knives do your thing stop with the nonsense 
Well, I would say the myth that I would, I wish would be dispelled is that forged is better than stock removal. It's bullshit. You can get great knives from stock removal. You can also get great knives from forged. It's just a different approach. There are two different approaches to how a blade is made. And I hate that, you know, we've had it from craftsmen, um, like the actual brand from Sears, like the drop forged wrenches and drop forged this, that, and the other thing, or forged blade. And it means something, but it, it used to mean something. And in modern times, it doesn't really anymore. They're just two different approaches. And I wish people would stop using that as a leverage point to say that this is a better quality product because it was forged. That doesn't matter. It's an, it's an action buzzword. It's an action buzzword that people can sink their little teeth into. Hmm. I, I think because more work goes into a forged knife that people would then assume that it's better just right. because more work has gone into it, you know? But yeah, sure. as you said, it's not always the case. It's generally down to the heat treat and the steel's being chosen. Yeah, the quality of the heat treat is really what it comes down to and handling the material. Because from both perspectives, people could really screw things up. Um, and so what's more important is how the blade is heat treated and handled. By the way, did you ever hear about that guy up in Albany, New York, who burned his goddamn town down because he thought he was doing a forge and fire thing? Yes. And he was trying to forge his knife down, and he, I don't know, he bent it over a barrel or something, and he ended up burning the whole goddamn town down. So a lot of these guys don't know what they're – it's true. It's super true. I, you have no idea yeah. how many messages I got. Oh, was that you? Was that you? No, it wasn't me. And I burned my whole town down. What am I going to do? I'm going to – he was like forging on over a barrel. I don't know what the hell he was doing. He was but doing it, an you know, interrupted these, quench. He was doing an interrupted quench like he's on the show and you get the big fireball because he's taking it as an educational series but the reality is that is not what you want to happen ever That's right. and he caught his workspace on fire and it ended up sending setting like 20 some odd buildings on fire it's ridiculous oh, shout yeah. out to chris and that is why oh sorry go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say that's why i chris uh, kevin cashin says don't let your oil get on fire it ruins the oil too yeah he so that is why Forged and Fire now at the beginning of the show starts with Forging is dangerous. It's got this whole disclaimer at the beginning now, which they didn't have like a year and a half ago. Burn your town down, you moron. Yeah. <laughs> We've got another live satellite link. This is with JS Metalworks. Love it. Hey folks, can I ask you a question? Um, could you talk a little bit about the aspect of pricing knives and how you guys price your knives? Oh boy, that's a Wisconsin. That's a Wisconsin accent right there. That mm-hmm. boy, that's, that's my boy. I lo- <laughs> shout out to Wisconsin, JS. Shout out to Wisconsin. Now, funnily enough, us three—I mean, the three hosts here—we've been talking about this privately all week in a, in our Instagram chats. Um, and you know, the three of us price out what we do very, very differently. And I mean, I, I can't speak for the others, but for myself, I'm charging basically what I can what I can charge that, you know, there's a market, which I found, and that seems to be where I I can, I can take the market. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's just really difficult. I mean, I think it's going to depend where you are, how you market your stuff, who your customer is, what's um, your overhead, what's your overhead and your end product as well. I'm, I'm, I'm very much aware that my end product probably isn't as good as Jeff's or Morocco's. So therefore I can't really sell to that level. It's about finding, finding your shelf and, it's it's something where, and again, if if we talked about being desperate earlier, if you haven't got the work in, you, you just you do want to shift knives. You you want you want the cash coming in, 
Um, and I've been guilty of that, and I'm sure others have too. But it's, yeah, it's finding that level, finding where you fit in in the market. Yeah. This is also a business issue. This is not. This is not a knife making issue. And this is yeah. part of being a business person is to kind of assessing what you need to get to make these things happen. And and you also have to, you also have to dip your toe into what the market will will bear. Plus, who your demographic is, who your target audience is, what you're trying to do, giving yourselves room for growth. So, I mean, my pricing is, I would say, in the middle in the middle of the pack in terms of custom knives, stock removal custom knives, middle, maybe a little bit on the higher side. And we're constantly like my business partner and I talk about, we're going to be raising it, you know, incrementally, but not like crazy. We're going to hmm. – we, 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 we look at what – what works, what doesn't work. There was a lot of conversation from, from my end with my business partner in regards to that. A lot of it has to do with our overhead. A lot of it has to do with what we think the market will bear and um, also, you know, where we're going to go, where we're going to go. Yeah. It's a tough question on a, on a 20, you know, for, this is like a whole, it's, it's a, a whole, whole episode. episode. It's podcast. a whole episode. Right. But, and what, who's doing it right? Who's doing yeah. it wrong? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a tough one, man. It is. Uh, I was talking to a guy on actually on my Facebook page. Um, he had messaged me asking about pricing regarding, he had just finished a, uh, a full integral with an integral putt, butt cap. And, uh, he was pricing it at $550 because he was building a knife, hoping to sell it to a, a chef's to sell it to chef's who are professional and they work in the business. Um, and the problem is, it's like pricing wise, um, you know, he really, he told me it took him 50 hours to make that. And I was like, dude, after, after cost of materials, you're probably making less than a dollar an hour. If you chart, if you sell it for 550 bucks and he's like, well, I can't, I don't feel like I can sell it for more than that. And the reality is he's probably right, but part of that is because uh, you know he probably hasn't he doesn't have much of a reputation. Nobody really knows who he is. He's kind of on the new side. Um, he it looks like he from what I can tell in the photographs, it looks like the work's great, but he doesn't have the other stuff to kind of help back him up and help justify uh, the price that uh, that he should be getting for his work. Um, and I think if you, if you're trying to do really high end stuff and you have the ability to do that, but you don't have the reputation, you're going to have a hard time getting, uh, knives at the price that you should be getting paid. And what you should do at that point is dial things back, sell at that, that to, and build a knife that you think you can sell at the, at your ideal price range, or at least at at what you think you can sell it right now. So if you, if you think you can get two to $300 for a knife, Build a knife that costs you 200, 200 300 uh, of your time to make. Slowly build up, or I mean, ideally, as quickly as possible, build it up. But it's, it's going to take time to build up reputation and brand brand awareness so that you can start charging more. And then save those high-end products on the side for your own, because he's already doing this as a side hustle. Um, so, you know, do those really fancy full integral uh, butt cap as well. Uh, uh, chef's knives as very you know save those for later or something like that or or very one every once in a while uh just for as your own exploration and passion in learning how to make these things um but when it comes to trying to do this as a business like you got to kind of trying to identify i guess where you sit on the spectrum spectrum of price is the hard part and once yeah. you pinpoint that you kind of got to build 
to where that sits at that point. And as you build that up, then you can start adding more and more intricate details, you know, full forged blades, integral bolsters, and all that other stuff as well. Uh, because every time you add one of those elements, you're adding more time to the work and the amount of time that goes into building that thing. And so, yeah, I th it, it is a hard question to answer. And again, like in my experience, um, if you can get get a hold of a retailer that might at least be able to help appraise or give you an idea of what your work might be worth or what they might be able to sell your work at. That might also help you um, kind of put a, a st at least a starting figure on your work. Here's what I think. I think when somebody asks you how much your knife is, you say, what do you got? <laughs> okay. TMAC 401 uh, is dialed in and he's given us. Hey man, can I ask you a question? On the business side of things, what do you guys use for accounting and tracking your sales and uh, supplies and all that stuff? Thanks. That's a good question. Good question. Um, I use um, – I don't track my supplies and stuff, but with regards to sales and that kind of stuff, I mean I use Shopify for my site. And that – I mean that was built from the ground up for – for selling it's an e-commerce platform so the report in that that gives me is great so it does all my invoicing does you know i just generate reports for my accounts you know it's super simple i see it's already built in keeping track yeah, of exactly that yeah oh that's so awesome. i know a lot of people a lot of people may use you know squarespace or wix or whatever for their websites sure, sure. but you know they may have you know a shopping cart feature but you know shopify was built for shopping that's its main feature. The blogs and stuff are all, you know, they're almost of a side side part of that. So Shopify is great for any any sort of reporting for your accounting um, uses. You know, it's your CRM for all, you know, keep all your customer details. It's great for that. Well, well, I actually, I, I actually, I'm very lucky. My, I use, I use my uh, the birthday boy, uh, Tony Ayatsi, my business partner. Just, just his birthday. He actually has a company. Uh, called Shoebox, C-H-O-U-X-B-O-X. It's actually a back office software company for restaurants, uh, for, for cooks. And, and it's, we, he, he, I got lucky. I, I, I got, I got the golden, the head, I got the golden everything with him. He, he, uh, he plugged us in. So he does all, I have a guy, Tony, and we have an accountant and we have a, you know, we have all this, that, and the other thing. So I don't have to deal with it, but I, I like the, I like the idea of using Shopify. I like that thing. That's a very approachable thing. He should start a uh, an arm of that business that helps oh, you knife makers. Knife makers. I, I'm trying to help. Let's call it, you know what you should do. You know what you should do. <laughs> yeah. No, but that really would be a great resource for knife makers, especially. Except for it, guess who doesn't like to pay for things? You think you don't? You think cooks don't like to pay for things? <laughs> guess what? Guess who doesn't like to pay for things? That's true. That's the biggest. That's his biggest. His biggest problem is it's this software company that's so great because in the restaurants you get all your fish in and all. All you have to do is you take a picture of the, 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 the code, and then it drop boxes to uh, um, his office. He's got an office in, in the Philippines where they, they run all your information, and then they bring it back. The problem is, is it's super time-saving, but nobody wants to pay. So That's it's like, software in general. Nobody's yeah, paying for software nobody, anymore. Nobody want, you think people don't want to pay for this? Get, get ready for them to not want to pay for their uh, accounting. So yeah. TMAC, I'm with you. Yeah, I like the I, – I think the Shopify thing sounds like it's a very it, easy – It does sound like a good move. I'm I'm lucky. Uh, my wife is super fucking good with numbers and accounting and stuff, and so she helps on that end of things because I probably wouldn't be making knives actually right now uh, if she wasn't doing that because I would have 
screwed everything up. So, uh, I'm fortunate that I, my business partner slash wife, uh, is awesome at those numbers. So get yourself a good woman or man, whichever you preserve, prefer. Oh, all right. All right. So we do one more question and then get, get on with it or what? Yeah. Do? We, yeah. Right. Yeah. You pick your favorites. All right. So, um, here, this one comes from H N H metalworks. Hey man, can I ask you a question? What's the biggest mistake you see beginners make? I like that question. Trying to move too quickly and not mastering what they're doing. And, you know, the, the first knife that they'll make will be some sort of, you know, 18-inch super sword, you know, um, from mm. the kitchen. Um, just, you know, start simple. Be, become very competent at what you're doing and and then move on. That's I mean, that's a mistake you, I see a lot of. I, yeah. I, I, my thing for me, I think the biggest mistake is – is when you do it for the first time, you think it's too hard. You don't want to do it again. I think it takes a. I think you need a little bit of inner fortitude, and I think you. I, I think people get discouraged too easily, at whether it be because it's hard, they're not doing a good job, or they're not. And I think that that is the biggest problem. Is is if you really enjoy doing it, you have to work harder than everybody else, and you have to understand that it's based on what 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 Craig's saying. Is it's not easy. And you just have to work at it, and it gets easier. When you run, you don't start off with a marathon. You gotta like, you gotta work your way up, and you're gonna find satisfaction from that. But don't get discouraged. Don't get yeah. discouraged. That's what I say. Yeah. Okay. This yeah. one is from my name is and uh, he says is a bladesmith uh, knife a knife with a squirrel tail handle. Or sorry, sorry, sorry. I totally screwed that up. Is a blacksmith <laughs> knife a knife with a squirrel tail handle, or are there more substantial differences? So he's asking what makes a blacksmith's knife a blacksmith's knife. What do you guys have to say? I think that a blacksmith's knife shows off more of the forging and less of the filing and less of the clean parts that you normally see. If you see something with a scroll on the end, it's not a squirrel tail. It's not a rat tail either. It's a scroll with a a little scroll with a snub. Or you see it, you know, it wraps around or there's more about – it's more about the forging and less about the finish. I think that's really what uh, – uh, the traditional ones like Lin Ray does, it's, yeah. there's not a lot of handle work. There's not nope. fit and finish. It's a one piece and it's really meant to be about the forging. That's what yes. I like. I 100% agree. Yeah, it's basically – yeah, it's all about the forging uh, and forged comf- – like there are things that you can do to upset the material, to spread it either on the spine, the belly, at the heel to help make it a more comfortable. Uh, it doesn't necessarily ha- need to have a scroll like Jeff was saying. Um, right, right. But it, but it is it – is, from my, my experience and what I've seen, they're basic – they're just straight metal knives, no handle scales. I don't know, maybe a cord wrap, maybe, I, I would say no. It's just all metal, all metal knife, like the like the X-Ray, Lin Ray's knife. Uh, yeah. And uh, I've been playing with those a bit myself, the blacksmith knives. I love them. They're fun. It's good They're forging fun. practice. They're, it's it's the amazing uh, the, the amount of, I guess, forethought that needs to go into them, especially if you're going to start upsetting things for an upset choil or an upset uh, handle, you know, material along the the belly of the handle. Uh, Because once you start doing that, that that's like, that's it. You can't go back and undo that really. (laughs) So that's the best part of a blacksmithing. It's very, it's, it's, it's just the, it's the manipulation of the volume and the mass. And it's just like, you know, you got one way to go. And if you come to my shop and you call it a squirrel tail, I'm gonna make you do some jumping jacks. (laughs) <laughs> you ain't gonna not call it a squirrel tail. There's no such thing as a squirrel tail in blacksmithing. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
There's get ready for my next uh, complaint department. Someone's gonna yeah. complain about that. Well, well, well. Look what we have here. This is the second knife talk tool quiz. We had a good time last week. We're gonna have a good time this week. We are going – I am Jeff Fader, your host for the Knife Talk Quiz, and I'm going to be asking the, these two hardy competitors, Craig Lockwood and Mareko Mamasi, some questions. And in these questions, you got to get them right or you get them wrong. If you get them right, you get a point. If you get them wrong, you get minus a point. Do you both have your buzzers? Buzzers What's your ready. Buzzers, guys? What's your buzzers? Are you right. the rhinoceros again? Oh my gosh. <laughs> is that you? Is that Craig? Is that you? That's me. That's that's oh. a baby crying. That's a loud one. That's a loud one. All right, go ahead. And what's yours, Mareko? Okay, here's mine. That's what I got. All right. All right. Well, okay. I like the All right. Okay. All right. So I'm going to ask 10 questions and go to buzzers first. And obviously, if I, I'm, I make the rules here, and if you don't like what I have to say, you can, you know. You can take it up with somebody else. In the 2008 Marvel movie Iron Man, Tony Stark, played by Robert Downey Jr., forges the Iron Man Mark I suit in a cave to escape his captors. In the blacksmith scene, what does he quench his mask in? Water. <laughs> on top of that. Water. Yes. If you, well, that's right. What if you said Parks 50? You lose. That's not. That's correct. Good job. One problem. The bed's a little loud. I can. It's hard for me to hear. But you know, let's I'll make ditch. It work. Let's ditch that. All right. Okay. <laughs> the answer is right. The answer is water. He quenched it in water. It was awful. All right. So number two in the 1977 song "Closer to the Heart," which Canadian band sings these lyrics? <laughs> the blacksmith and the artist reflected in their art. They forge their creativity closer to the heart. Yeah, closer to the heart. Name the band. I got nothing. nothing. Oh my god! I I no, listen. I know I two. To a, I know two Canadian people who sing. I, it's Brian Adams <laughs> or Justin Bieber. I want to apologize to the to the beautiful. I want to apologize to Canada because this is a total outrage. And it's I have nothing to do with this. The answer was Rush, obviously. Uh, Rush. The only oh. blacksmith song of all time. I apologize, Canada. I had nothing to do with these two. All right. That's zero. That's one, one for Craig and zero from Recco. I hope yeah. they get easier. All right. In Montana, Alex Steele and Will Stelter use a different unit of measurement for temperature. Not Celsius. No. Okay, you didn't let me finish the question, guys. You didn't let me finish the yeah. question. Not Celsius or Fahrenheit. <laughs> they use freedom, freedom height. Yeah. God damn it, guys. Just hold what you got. Let me read the question, okay? <laughs> I'm going to start over. Jesus. In Montana, Alex Steele and Will Stelter use a different unit of measurement for temperature. Not Celsius or Fahrenheit. They use freedom height. Spell freedom height. Oof. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. You guys are. Okay, go ahead, Craig. F F R E E D O M H E I T. There you go. Boom. <laughs> I before I before E except I before E except after C and it accepted freedom height. That's the right. I'm so dyslexic. Craig's up to. I would have fucked that one up. I'm not a speller. 
That's all right. Well, you know. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, it's a quiz. So what can I do? All right. So the next question is number four is this one comes from the right angle grinder community community. Name two companies that manufacture right angle grinders whose name starts with the letter M. <laughs> oh, Craig, go ahead. Milwaukee and Makita. All right, there you go. If you had Matibo or Meter, Meter K or Masterworks, that would have worked too. I'm surprised at how many M companies make grinders. All right, get ready. All right. Craig's up three to zero. Three to zero, Mareko. I got. I, I know you got this one in. There. <laughs> Named for the German metallurgist Adolf Martens, blank is the hardened phase of steel that is obtained. Oh. Mareko. Martensite. That's it, oh, my man. Uh-huh. He's back, baby. He's back. All right. <laughs> That's the answer, Martensite. Okay. Blank. This is number six now. Blank was originally the masterpiece of Roman Haas Company, a Philadelphia-based – just relax, everybody. Don't get nervous. A Philadelphia-based materials manufacturer working in aircraft interior. It was in the late 1960s that people started to realize the possibilities that this product had to offer. Mm. You let me finish the question there, Craig? My Carter. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. Well, now, now I'm going to let Mareko take that. I'm going to finish the question, and I'm going to let – that's one, one, mine, minus one for you. So in the late 1960s, the people realized the possibilities. They realized that sheets could be molded and manipulated into round, a uh, massive range of shapes by simply mm. heating and molding around the forms. What's the name of this commonly referred to product? Carbon fiber. <sighs> No. no, unfortunately. Oops. It's Kydex. Kydex. It's Kydex. Kydex. Oh. Kydex. All right, so Craig's got I'm two. Mareko's got zero. Don't uh. worry, we got this. We got this. We got this. We got this. All right. I told you I was Now we're going lose. into – no, you didn't lose yet. Relax. All right. This is a, this is handle. We're in the Handlewood department. Calcerina Cunninghaminana is also known, <laughs> is also known as A, Australian Beefwood – B, Romanian redwood, C, Mongolian yakwood, or D, Hungarian cheesewood? <laughs> what? What's the answer? Australian beefwood. That's right. That's right. It's Australian beefwood is really? the right answer. Wow. Yeah, it is beefwood. I, it's this, I always made jokes about beefwood, and then I was like, ah, let's do a beefwood question. Nice. All right. Get ready. This is going to be – this is going to be – this is going to be good. All right. Blank is a high-pressure fiberglass laminate, a type of composite material. It's created by stacking multiple layers of glass cloth. All right. You want me to – all right. Go ahead, Craig. G10. G10. The answer is G10. That's right. G10. Four to zero. All right. Next. Number nine. True or false? Brass and bronze – are metal alloys used extensively in everyday objects. While brass is an alloy of copper and zinc, bronze is an alloy consisting mainly of copper, combined most often with tin and at times also other metals. Owing to their properties, these two alloys have various uses. True or false? True or false? Okay, Greg, go ahead. True. That is true. That is true. All right. 
Craig's, 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 uh, I think I got, I think I made these ones too easy. Uh, yeah. You know, I was, I was watching your live this week on Instagram and you were speaking to Will Stelter about this. Oh, yeah. That's why and, I, they um, didn't, they had no idea. The both of them were talking about their guard handles and neither one of them had any idea, uh, why they're using brass or bronze that was actually pretty funny they were i thought alec and will were going to come to blows at some point there they were they all i'm talking to, i'm talking to will and he, they're talking about the brass and bronze well, what's the difference and and uh, all of a sudden you hear in the background is we're going with brass and then will goes what do you mean i thought we we're going with bronze he goes no 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 we're going with the brass <laughs> and they were they were really at each other's throats all right so last question last question austinite was named after a fred austin B, Sir William Chandler Roberts Austin, C, Richard Allen Dick Austin Jr., or D, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> All right, e, go ahead. Austin Powers. That's incorrect. Minus one for you. Want to take a shot? B. That's right, B. On the board, baby. <laughs> All right, so we have... I have a bonus question, but I think we've done it. Uh, one, two, three, four, five for Craig, one for Mareko. Congratulations, Craig. You you were quick on the trigger. You're quick on the trigger, and uh, there we have it. There we have it. I'm going to... I, I think I went a little bit too easy with some of the questions because I was afraid I Craig Craig would say that I'll go too hard. Next time it's all power hammer questions and fly press <laughs> and wrong and wrong fly press questions. We're gonna we're gonna we're, next is the uh, yeah. I think Marekko is Quizmaster next week, isn't he? All right. Well, this is gonna be the this is gonna be the champion the championship. I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck you up, Craig. How do you like that? <laughs> that's my prediction. I'm gonna, <laughs> that's my prediction. <laughs> that's a show. We've we've got a show on our hands. So, um, I hope I don't freeze. I hope I don't die cold. How do you like that? Yes, yes. Have have a wrap up warm. Um, oh. How deep? How deep is the ice? How deep do you want it? Well, <laughs> never been asked that before. <laughs> <laughs> deep enough. Deep enough. Deep enough. <laughs> it's gonna be deep when you sit down. Your balls are gonna hit the bottom. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Balls deep. Oh my god! <laughs> so I was Sorry, trying Jeremy, to, I was trying to wish friendly. you good luck for this evening, Jeff. I was trying right. to wish you good luck for your your, you. your ice forging. Thank you. Yeah, don't fall um, through. Find out. Exactly. Um, I hope not. I hope I won't. I hope I won't. We'll find out. <clears throat> so we'll hear more about that next week. Remember to get your knife talk T-shirts at knifetalk.net. Um, I'm sure we're going to have some questions for you in the week at uh, Knife Talk Podcast on the Instagram. Remember, we've got the forum at knifetalk.net. And have a good week. We should speak to you all soon. Cheerio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. 
like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.